Network presents Football Time. Hey, and welcome to the Football Time Show. We're here for the Week 9 Recap. For the best, for the beautiful, for the only, Ghostbusters. And after an off week, we're back to get fully into the action with Achilles Rain, who's had an off weekend. It was a tough weekend for our favorites of the Favorite Taking Podcast. So, Achilles, are you ready to get into a tough week nine for you? Yeah, you know, uh, I'm kind of glad that last week didn't happen for us um, because uh, it didn't go too well for me and a lot of the favorites in the NFL. But uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit, so let's get into it. All right, let's start out on Thursday night. The Indianapolis Colts coming off uh, a bit of a disastrous turn in the Titans game. Uh, Carson Wentz went full Carson Wentz, and then he uh, went full Carson Wentz again by looking good, of course, in this game. Leave it to uh, the Jets to make him look really, really good. But uh, overall, the Colts uh, sort of bounced back off that uh, tough win. I don't know if the division will be in order here, but they uh, sort of kept themselves alive here for a playoff spot. Uh, what'd you make of this game here? I mean, I don't think there's really too much to, to take away from this game other than the fact that um, it probably was a little more impressive on the side of the New York Jets, just, you know, with the injuries they had to deal with and, uh, you know, the effort and type of play that some of the guys that uh, played the backup position to the backup, um, they came out and looked pretty good. So, um, I thought that it was kind of an impressive game for the Jets and, uh, you know, for the Colts, I think a lot of us expected them to, you know, kind of right the ship a little bit during this game and get things back on track, which they did, uh, putting up a lot of points also. Yeah, definitely so. And uh, Jonathan Taylor continued to look good. Uh, 19 carries, 172 yards in this game. And really what I think was lost in that Titans game, you know, on that Sunday before that was – you know, they were milking Jonathan Taylor early. They went away from him late in that game when he was still gashing them, and they tried to go full Wentz, and uh, Wentz just sort of caught him there. And it was a much more controlled uh, Indianapolis Colts team here. Uh, you know, 19 carries for uh, Taylor, 172 yards, 30 passes for Wentz, 22 of 30. Uh, so much more efficient offensively. Now, you know, you you grade that a little bit on a curve uh, with the Jets coming in on a short week. But uh, they've shown the ability to at least beat these bad teams so far this season. So I think that does help them out. Uh, you know, Mike White got knocked out early in this one. Uh, the crafty veteran, uh, Josh Johnson out of San Diego, came in. Uh, I don't know how many teams this guy has been a backup quarterback for, but uh, it, it's getting close to every team in the league, but came in, uh, I thought, played pretty well. The thing I'd, I'd worry about most uh, Colts-wise here, if you're looking at it that way, is uh, defensively. Uh, they continue to struggle. They got up 14 nothing in that Tennessee game. Uh, could not hold that lead, uh, got up big in this game, and uh, sort of let the Jets creep back in. That defense just doesn't seem to really have its mojo uh, from last season back yet. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something to be concerned about, but, you know, we have seen them at least at some points during this season uh, play some pretty solid defense, not, maybe not to the level they played last season, but good enough to win them some games. And that offense seems to really kind of gotten in rhythm. Uh, as you mentioned, they did lose that Titan game, but 
the offense wasn't really the biggest issue in that game until very late when Carson Wentz had made this, a couple of mistakes. Uh, uh, they, they've been playing really well. So I, I think there's a lot of positives to take from the way they've been playing as of late. Uh, definitely some things to be concerned about, but I, I think overall uh, pretty good looking win, pretty good performance, and hopefully they can keep this going. Yeah, definitely so. So uh, we'll move on to our next game. And uh, this was officially the most Vikings game of, uh, of Vikings games. Uh Pretty much overall in the history of uh, this Vikings team under Kirk Cousins, uh, dominated early, uh, let the Ravens back in, and then had plenty of chances in overtime to go down and score, uh, even on an interception by Lamar Jackson that put him on the 40-yard line, could not score, uh, Ravens eventually went down, uh, got the field goal here, um, you know, this Vikings team uh, continues to uh, baffle the mind, uh, but uh, what do you take from this game? Ravens win a close one here. It, it's really two weeks in a row that they've uh, looked bad with sandwich between that bye week. You know, they had that bad loss to Cincinnati. You thought maybe it's an aberration coming off the bye. They come back, look better versus the Vikings. They didn't look great. They did get the win. What'd you make of this game here? Uh, you know, 34-31 Baltimore here. You know, real tough, tough game for uh, the Ravens and Raven fans to sit there. I'm sure it was a real nail-biter there. Um, especially early on, it looked like this was going to be one of those upsets. Uh, I told you as we were kind of hanging out watching games that this was upset Sunday, and it seemed like, a couple of teams, you know, managed to pull off the win when they were supposed to win uh, this being one of them. But I think this really solidified, at least for me, the fact that the Vikings are not a good team, but they're a very dangerous team, a team you don't want to face off or, or overlook because in this particular game, Cousins had a pretty bad game. You know, his numbers look mediocre at best, uh, but that running attack, you know, still looked really good. And, we know they have really good weapons on the outside, so they can always make some plays. Kirk Cousins is going to have a really good day, um, and he's shown it you know, a few times this season. That defense is hot or cold, uh, mostly cold, but when they get hot and everything kind of gets going, they could be a dangerous team. So probably not somebody you want to face off in the playoffs um, or you know, if you're in contention for a playoff spot, not a team you want to overlook. Yeah, definitely so. Uh, I must say uh, just uh, – little weird uh, that the uh, Vikings only gave uh, Cook 17 carries. He had such a good game. Now, I know a lot of that came on that 66-yard run, uh, but I, I saw holes all over the place. Um, you know, they did try to, I, I guess, sort of uh, keep Cousins in check, 17-28, to 28, but I thought they could have really handed the rock a lot more to Delvin Cook here, especially when they got up in this game. Uh, but overall, they couldn't control Lamar Jackson. You know, 27 to 41, 266, three touchdowns, 21 carries, 120 yards. Now, I'm not sure that's quite uh, the uh, usage rate as we uh, steal a basketball term that the Ravens probably want in a week nine game that they want Lamar using right there. But uh, I think they felt they needed this win. So they pushed the, uh, we're going to, you know, use Lamar as much as we can to try to win this game, uh, especially seeing how important it is if you look at the bills uh who have uh just i i don't even know we'll get into that game uh we're gonna have a lot to talk about these last two weeks <laughs> about uh what the bills offense has become uh but you know they're sitting there with the you know the chiefs struggling uh 
The Raiders in, well, they're just in a total mess. The Chargers struggling. You got the Titans who did get the win this week, but they're without Derrick Henry. So that one seed, uh, now that Cincinnati is struggling, is right in their hopes. So I think they pushed, you know, really, really hard uh, to, you know, sort of steal this game and make sure they got it. But uh, overall, that that's a lot of usage uh, for Lamar Jackson in a Week 9 game there. Yeah, definitely. But I will say this. If I'm a Ravens fan, I feel a little more confident knowing the knowing that the team is willing to, you know, unleash the beast, so to speak, uh, if it comes down to, you know, where they have to. Uh, obviously, you don't want to see Lamar, you know, run the ball that many times. Um, the more times he touches the ball in a running situation, the higher the risk of him getting hurt. And you need a healthy Lamar if you're going to go far in, in the playoffs. So, But like I said, I, I still think that if I'm a Ravens fan, it makes me feel good to know, like, hey, that's something we can keep in our back pocket. And if things aren't going our way, you know, it's something we could use. Um, let's last thing on the Ravens. Are they your favorite to get that one seed now? Or are you still thinking Bills? Are you thinking Titans? Um, are you thinking Chiefs now that they seem to be getting every break possible? Uh, where is your head out here in that AFC that seems a bit jumbled up here as to who will get that one seed because I think the one seed is really really important in the AFC uh I, I don't think it's as important in the NFC because I think all th that top level those top level uh teams could all probably win on the road and at home I don't even know if some of them have all that much of a home field advantage but Baltimore Buffalo Tennessee Kansas City uh, those those are big time home field advantages and you if you can get a buy in home field and throughout I, I think that uh really really boosts your playoffs hopes here so uh who's your favorite right now to be the AFC uh one seed well you know to be completely honest with you at the beginning of the season I thought that by this point in the season uh not 100 percent certainty you know who the favorite would be but I thought I would have at least some idea as the season has progressed I, I've actually felt more and more confused um I want to say the Ravens simply because of the position that they currently sit at, but you know, they've had a couple of close matches and yeah. even against some pretty bad teams. So it's hard for me to really give them, you know, 100% assurance that these guys are going to go all the way uh, and win, you know, the AFC, AFC uh, title, but I don't know. It's really up in the air. You know, the Titans definitely, you know, are playing a lot better. The defense seems to have really stepped their game up as of late. Um, that offense can be very dangerous as we all know. You know, the Chiefs, yeah, they're playing horrible, and I don't think that there's a way they could possibly win out, you know. But it's still the Chiefs, so you can't count them out. If a COVID uh, gets quarterback the every week, they might be able to. <laughs> yeah. Uh, listen, I mean, I think that it's getting really bunched up there at the top. You know, I think that all these teams are really vying to be that top dog in the AFC. Uh, and it's going to be a tight race. Uh, you know, I'm actually getting more excited about the AFC race. Um not something I could have said early on in the season, but it, it seems to have gotten really tight and really competitive. And like I said uh, about the Vikings, there's it's also true for a lot of teams in the, in the AFC. You can lose to just about any team. It doesn't matter how bad or how good they tend to be. It's it's gotten really competitive, and I like it. Yeah, definitely so. All right, uh, let's flip to the Vikings. Three and five now. Uh, two bad losses in a row. Um are we still thinking the Vikings can maybe, uh, with a push here, get to a playoff spot, or have you uh, sort of written them off? I, I think 
you know, that bottom part of the NFC. I, I think nine and eight uh, probably could get that last playoff spot. Uh, so the Vikings at three and five. I, I mean, overall talent wise, it looks like they have the best talent. So uh, are you crossing the Vikings off? Or are you still giving them a, a little bit of a puncher's chance here? I'm not going to cross the Vikings off. Like I said, at any given time, they can really turn it on both on offense and defense, and they have a really solid running attack. So I'm not going to count them out just yet. Uh, there's still hope, obviously, especially the way things are going. And, you know, in this day and age of COVID, you just never know. So I'm not going to count them out. And I don't think they're one of the top contenders, but I do think that they're a very dangerous team that probably nobody wants to face. Yeah. Uh... I don't know if I'm quite ready to cross them off, but uh, they just, they seem like losers, no matter what. I, I mean, I thought they had this game and we were going to be talking about Baltimore as, uh, you know, what what sort of uh, losing streak are they in? And instead, they blow this lead. Uh, they were just awful the uh, week before. So it, it's just... I'm not quite ready to cross them off. If you have Delvin Cook, you have Adam Thielen, you have Jordan Jefferson, uh, you know, they're loaded uh, with talent, but it just doesn't seem like they want to win football games. Uh, they they have a very nice fantasy team, I, I will say, but uh, that doesn't always equate to wins as we've seen, but uh, we'll move on. And uh, if I want to steal another line from Ghostbusters, this next one, it is alive. The Patriots, 24-6 to over the uh, Carolina Panthers. Uh, Sam Darnold, uh, I, I think we found out he is not the answer at quarterback. Uh, he was, um, I, I don't think atrocious is uh, even enough uh, to say here. Uh, I, I watched a lot of this game because I was, I was curious about this one, and uh, he missed a ton of throws. I... I mean, the Patriots' offense was nothing, uh, and uh, they were really, really scaled back. They basically just waited on Sam Darnold uh, to mess things up, and then they capitalized on that. Uh, you know, the Patriots now 5-4. and four. I, I don't know if I put them in that group we talked about earlier, uh, but I, I think you have to start talking about them as maybe that tier below in the AFC as, uh, you know, as porous as a lot of these teams in the AFC have played the last couple weeks. So uh, let's start with the Patriots. What did you make of them this week? You know, the Patriots are a funny team too, because to me, when I look at them, I, I see them almost at the same level as uh you know the uh, vikings for example they're the, the yeah. counterpart of the vikings and the afc except that they don't have the weapons on offense um they're making it work somehow uh obviously some of that has to be attributed to the coaching staff uh but i think we also have to give a little credit here to the young rookie i think he's really done a good job at taking the reins and, and making this his team and you see a progression you know although it may not you know be like uh, completely amazing and eye-opening there's definitely been a progression week to week to week um even when he makes mistakes he seems to kind of just shake him off and uh move, keep moving so there's a lot of good things going on in new england um i don't think as you said that they're quite at that playoff caliber level where we can lock them into a playoff spot but i, I do think that they're better than we thought they were going to be and they seem to be improving so uh, there's definitely a lot of good things to, to you know to 
to look at in New England. If you're a Patriots fan, I'm sure you're probably at least somewhat excited that you have a shot, um, although be it a little bit of a long shot. But I, I think they're improving, and I think that uh, all signs point to them being good at some point, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, I, I think the de- defense is definitely improving. Now, how much of that is, you know, uh, who they've played uh, recently and how much of that is, you know, uh, them improving. I do think they are improving. They've looked much better on the defensive side of the ball. Offense still a little bit hot and cold, uh, but, you know, Mac Jones, you know, was efficient uh, yet not spectacular, but I think that's probably what he's going to be all year. Uh they're definitely back in their fun uh, running back fantasy mode where uh, Ramondre Stevenson, 10 carries, Harris, 15 carries, Brandon Bolden, 8 carries. Uh, that's always fun. The uh, Patriot running back, uh, 10 carry, 5-player uh, backfield. Uh, annoying, but uh, effective. You know, all of them had pretty good, you know, yards uh, per carry there other than Harris, but uh, he got the touchdown here, and he's the best one in the group. Uh, so, I, I don't know if the offense is quite there to uh, win playoff games, but I do think this team is starting to knock on the door uh, right there. Big game with Cleveland uh, coming up. I, I think that'll be, you know, uh, a game that will probably help decide one of those last couple of playoff spots. You know, they still got two games with Buffalo there. Uh, we haven't gotten into Buffalo yet, but, uh, you know, with two games against them in division, you know, it's not out of the question. Do you put them quite on that level as Buffalo? Uh, or, you know, do we think Buffalo sort of finds themselves and the Patriots aren't quite on that level yet? It's hard for me to really <clears throat> look at Buffalo and, and think that they've somehow become, a, you know, lesser of a team over the last couple of weeks. This is a team that played outstanding last season and could have had a really deep run. Uh, and then even this season, you know, they start off slow in that first game where they lost to Pittsburgh, I believe. And then they just completely went on a string of complete blowouts where they were just dominating teams. And I'm not talking about, you know, uh, a seven-point win, a 10-point. I'm talking about dominating teams, yeah. putting up 40 burgers, you know. And, and it's hard for me to they think that, oh. The 20s point spread that I took. That's uh, pretty yeah. much all you need to say. Yeah, exactly. So it's hard for me to really be like, okay, listen, it's two weeks of, you know, of poor, and it wasn't really two weeks of poor offense because they played a pretty decent game against Tennessee. Tennessee looked yeah. just, like I said earlier, they've just been playing a lot better on defense and they have a really good offense. So that, you know, it, it could happen to anybody. Um, this, this week, we'll get into it obviously in a little bit, but Buffalo to me is still on a different level. And, and I think that um, if I had to, you know, choose like, who the top dogs are right now, I think that I would probably have to lean towards Buffalo. So I don't think they're quite at that level yet. I think New England has ways to go before they can get there. Uh, but like I said, the rookie's playing pretty well. He's learning from his mistakes. He's got a great coaching staff to learn from. So, you know, they're not elite yet, and they're not quite a playoff caliber team yet, but I think that they're definitely knocking on the door of at least, you know, uh, showing some teeth and being like, hey, we're here to play. Yeah, yeah. Uh- Remember a couple weeks ago when I said I'm becoming a Vikings fan? We're crossing that off. I'm no longer a Vikings fan. Uh, 
I, I think I'm starting to like this Patriots team a little bit. Now, uh, <laughs> as soon as I said that the Vikings went in the tank and played uh, terrible for two weeks. So I don't know yeah. if uh, I, I just put the kibosh on the Patriots here, but uh, certainly I think I put the kibosh on the Panthers, uh, liking them so much early. Uh, the uh, nice uh, treat you got from Sam Darnold the, the first four weeks of the season uh, <laughs> has turned into a, a very, very disturbing trick. Uh, you know, Jason Micah, Michael Myers uh, style, uh, you know, trick here. Uh, there's no way they can play him again next week. Is there or you just ride this till you die till the end of the season or you at least try to salvage this and see what P.J. Walker has? I, I'm curious on your thoughts on that. You know, obviously, I, I know that it's hard to really rate Darnold's performance back in New York because he didn't really have a lot of weapons to work with on offense. Um, and he made a lot of mistakes, but you kind of attribute that to growing pains for a young quarterback. Um, you expected a lot better. Well, maybe some people expected a lot better when he came to Carolina. Uh, some people expected a lot of the same. And those people were turned into doubters early on in the season when he was playing pretty well. Then McCaffrey got hurt and a lot more was put on his plate. And it seemed like he started to sort of collapse under the pressure, all that, all the expectations. Now you have the, you know, a, a game against a winnable Patriots team. I'm not going to say it was a, you know, easy game, but I guess a winnable Patriots team and you have the return of your star player in McCaffrey. And this is the type of performance you put out there. I think that you can't play him going forward. I think you got to see what else you can get out of the rest of the guys on that team. Uh, and you have to at least get something out of, you know, McCaffrey here because that's really your ticket seller. And if you can't get wins for him, who's to say what the future holds? Uh, I think that they can't really play Darnold. He, he's just played too bad over the last several weeks now at this point. So I, uh, as, as much as it pains me to say, because I know he's young and he can still turn it around, I think for the rest of the season, you probably have to see what else you got. Yeah, definitely so. You know, uh, once again, the Panthers' defense played really, really well. I, I, you look at the stats of this game, Patriots ran 59 plays, Panthers ran 57 plays. Offensive yards, 273. They held the Patriots to 273 total yards on offense. The Carolina Panthers had 240. So, you know, uh, it... It's not the Panthers' defense. The Panthers' defense is keeping you in games to win them. And if your quarterback makes a couple plays, much like I think if we said Mac Jones was on the Carolina Panthers here, I, I think it'd be Carolina that's five and four, six and three, and it's the you put Sam Darnold on the Patriots, and they're probably three and six, you know, four and five. Uh, so. It's just really glaring. I don't know if P.J. Walker is, you know, really that much better. I, I was always a fan at Temple. Uh, but, you know, being a he, he was a really good college quarterback. I don't know if he's a really good NFL quarterback. But I, I just think you lose your team if you keep th throwing Donald out there. Uh, you know, you've already seen it a little bit with Robbie Anderson. Now, you know, Robbie's always been a little bit temperamental. Uh, but, and, you know... Considering, you know, five of his probably seven years in the league he's had to play with Sam Darnold, that might make anybody a, a little temperamental. Uh, but, you know, I, I think you just got to throw P.J. in there, uh, see if it gets better. If it doesn't, 
you know, you can always just go back to, you know, Sam Darnold. It's probably a lost season anyway. And then you see what you can do in the draft or, you know, free agency in the upcoming year. Uh, but uh, I just, I don't think you can go forward with Sam Darnold at your quarterback. Just see what you can do. And, you know, then you cross it off and you, you know, you just go lost season. Uh, our defense is there. Uh, it should be there for another two or three years and, and see if you can fix uh, the offense and uh, find a quarterback there. Definitely so. All right. Uh, well, the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, we, we talked about how great they are. Uh, somehow they managed to blow an 11-point lead the week before to the Jets with about five minutes to go. Uh, you know, you write that off as a bump, you know, uh, losing focus uh, after a big win versus Baltimore. Uh, then they have this game versus the Cleveland Browns, and uh, they just looked uh, bad, 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 uh, like the kind of teams we thought the Bengals would be at the uh, start of the season. Line looks rough. Uh, Joe Burrow got sacked five times. Um, you know, Baker wasn't great, but uh, he did his sort of Mac Jonesy thing. Um, I, but, uh, you know, Nick Chubb, 14 carries, 137 yards, might want to milk that a little bit more, uh, but, uh, probably a, uh, sort of season saving win for the Browns. Cause they were heading down a dark slope there. Get this win over the Bengals. Uh, let's start Bengals side of things here. You know, uh, we were really, really big on them. And, and these last two weeks, it seems like they've regressed back to sort of what we thought at the beginning of the year here. Yeah, you know, uh, listen, I'm not going to say that we're pioneers or, or um, trailblazers, so to speak, but, you know, we were kind of talking the Bengals up a little bit, and it was a few weeks ago we kept talking about, we were talking about, could this team be for real? We were showing, we saw a lot of good things on defense, and the offensive, they were they're really clicking on offense, you know, young wide receiver, young quarterback, they already had, you know, good chemistry, so it was a nice connection there and they were playing really well, even against tough teams. And we, we started asking ourselves that question is, are these guys for real? Um, we didn't quite want to believe it because we hadn't seen enough of it, but we start to become believers more and more and more. Next thing I know, I turned to national sports media and all I hear about is the Bengals and the Bengals is the Bengals are great. The Bengals are going to do this. And what happens? They lose to the Jets. And they're like, okay, you can mark that one off. No big deal. They're a young team. They got to learn. Then they come out against a pretty much banged up uh, Browns team. And they disappeared. They were nowhere to be found. Uh, this this defense that, that went over in the first quarter. Yeah. You know, and now mind you, this Sunday was very weird. This upset Sunday, as I call it. There was a lot of situations where teams that we thought could win this game, they just couldn't pull it off. And this was one of those teams. I thought defensively they'd be able to do enough against this banged-up uh, Browns team that they'd be competitive. And offensively, I thought that they were good enough on offense to at least be able to keep up even if the defense didn't play well. And that wasn't even the case. You know, they played horrible on defense. They played horrible on offense. Um, Joe Burrow was making a lot of mistakes. It seemed like the bright lights of a divisional game when it actually mattered, really got to his head and we're playing mind games with him because he just wasn't himself. Now, going forward, do I think that they can turn it around and kind of start playing better football? I think they can. 
Um, I think we've seen enough of it from that first half of the season to at least warrant them, you know, a couple of bad games and still think they can play well. But it does go to show you that just because the team's hot, it's not about how you start. It's not about, you know, how you're doing midway through the season. It's about how you finish. Um, obviously, your final record is very important. But teams that finish strong, even teams that don't win their divisions or don't, you know, necessarily make it in, in, with the bye week, teams that go into the playoffs hot are usually the ones that we see uh, holding up that trophy. So probably a, a lot of things to be concerned about, but also a lot of just whatever. Let's move on. And uh, I'm pretty sure this team's going to be fine. They're young. They'll learn from this. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the defense, I, I think, is the shock. They, they were about a top six, uh, you know, defense by football o- outsiders. And then the last two weeks, They've dropped all the way down to 18 uh, by these last two games. I I don't quite know what's happened there. Uh, Maybe they threw too much in that Ravens game. It it took too much out of them, and they just haven't been able to sort of uh, get right, uh, you know, since then. That, uh, you know, that Jets meltdown was just, um, I mean, they were up 11 with uh, about, uh, you know, uh, five, six minutes to go. I I had already flipped it off and, uh, you know, moved on and then I went and saw the score in that game and I was like whoa whoa uh what happened here and then this week you know I just wanted to stay away from the game overall because I didn't know what was coming out of Cincinnati's side you know Cleveland has been so so bad the last you know four weeks or so yes they've been banged up but even with that they haven't looked all that good on defense or offensive side of the ball um you know I don't think offensive, they looked a ton better. They looked much better on defense. At least they were flying around. I don't know how much of that is, you know, the Cincinnati offensive line, which seems to have become a problem uh, once again, where it was, you know, sort of holding up okay uh, in those first couple weeks. It seems in that Jets game, they were getting to him a lot. They got to him a lot this week. So I, I don't know where this Cincinnati, if, if this defense can find its way back, I, I think that puts them in the mix, but if they can't, I think they're going to end up, you know, probably six wins or so uh, on this season. So, you know, they got to find that defense again because I, I don't know if this team is capable of sort of playing from behind, uh, really, with that offensive line where teams know they have to pass. You know, they had to throw 40 times in this game, uh, only 13 carries to Joe Mixon, five to uh, P. Ryan. Uh, that's not how they were doing it earlier. They had a much, much better balance uh, than before. So it, it'll be interesting to see if these uh, Bengals team can find their defense and sort of get themselves uh, back on track flip things to the Browns they got this win back to five and four uh so they're tied with the Bengals tied with the Patriots uh you know uh a little behind the uh Raiders and uh Chargers but I think there's probably not a lot of drop off between that uh level of teams so what do you make of this win for the Browns uh do you see them going forward and uh winning some more games or you know you're a little bit hot and cold and you're still seeing problems with this offense. If Nick Chubb doesn't run for, you know, 10 yards a carry, uh, what do they really have is my question, I think, more than anything. You know, I think the biggest issue with this team right now is 
the, that locker room. Um, and it'd be interesting to be a fly on the wall in that locker room um, just to kind of find out what, what, you know, what the environment is like and what the attitudes, the, the energy is like, because obviously this whole thing happened with, with OBJ where, you know, he's no longer going to be there. Uh, and the team basically parted ways with him. There was issues with, you know, him not getting the ball, people asking for the ball. Now, I understand the whole diva concept with wide receivers um, and Odell Beckham is not excluded from that list. He's really talented, uh, but he hasn't been playing like the type of player that we expect Odell Beckham to be playing like. And and this team, you also have to understand the makeup of the team. This team is best suited to be a run first team, a play action team um, with really good defense. And, and I think that, they can do that. As you saw, Baker Mayfield's numbers weren't, you know, eye popping by, by any means, but they were completely, they were exactly what you, what you want them to be. If you're a Browns fan, they were game manager esque type of numbers. And that's what you want. You know, you want to run heavy team with, with this type of makeup, the defense needs to start playing a little bit better. Um, in the beginning of the season, I think a lot of us had really high expectations for this team as a whole, just based off their performance last season. So uh, you know, to me, I, I think that they still have the right type of makeup to go into these playoffs and actually win games. They just have to get there. That's going to be, the, the, I think, their toughest road right now. Um, can they get that locker room in order in time to where, or is there even an issue in that locker room? But can they get th- things together in time to make a make a run? You know, you don't have to win your division. Just get in there. You have the type of team that causes a lot of trouble in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely so. Uh, you know, I, I think if that defense can stabilize, uh, they can probably get into the playoffs because I, I do think they can replicate, you know, Chubb really dominating. They're a great run-blocking team. So if they can keep that defense, but like you said, it, it's been too hot and cold. One game they will completely shut down an opponent. The next game they're getting lit up. So it, it's really, really hard to read the Cleveland Browns. Uh, we, we already mentioned it with the Patriots. Big game. Uh, Cleveland, New England coming up uh, that will really have, uh, you know, a a lot of factors into who makes the playoffs in those last couple spots. I I don't think Cleveland is really a a challenger for the division versus Baltimore. They're already uh, two games behind, uh, uh, you know, and behind the Steelers. Do you think they're a challenger for that division or you think they're just going to have to try to find a wild card spot here? You know, I don't think they're really a challenger, but I don't I don't think they need to be. As I said earlier, they have the type of, of team, uh, a run-first, hard-nosed defense, if they can get their team in order, of course. But that's the type of team that wins in these playoff matches. You know, once the weather starts to get a lot colder and you can't really fling the ball as much as you wanted to when the elements come into play, they have that build. So I don't think they need to win the division, but obviously – you still have to win games. You still got to sneak in there at some point. Yeah. All right. Uh, we're going to have you do a, a complete explanation on how this one played out, but the uh, Denver Broncos uh, essentially quit on the season um, and uh, then uh, annihilated the Cowboys. The uh, 30-16 score yep. uh, does not do this game justice because uh, no, it was one know. that was basically over uh, by the first quarter. And I'm uh, meaning the Broncos uh, had uh, already put this thing away. Um, what the hell happened here? Uh, 
it, it's not so much just losing, uh, but getting trounced at home by a team who has essentially pulled the plug on their season and uh, now sort of has to re-plug that genie back in the bottle because they're right there uh, to fight for this division. So uh, let's start Broncos' side of things. Uh, yeah, I, I will say they finally started running the ball. 21 carries to Gordon for 80 yards, 17 carries for Javante Williams, 111 yards. Uh, I, I don't know what clicked in, but uh, finally they noticed they had two really good running backs, and they didn't have to make Teddy Bridgewater do everything. Uh, but, uh, you know, just a weird game overall. Yeah, I go back to uh, my whole explanation with Baker Mayfield. Not that he's not a talented guy, but I think he's best suited to be a game manager. That's the exact same thing with Teddy Bridgewater. He's 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 in a perfect situation to just manage the game and, you know, focus on that. Let that defense do what it does, which, uh, you know, it's not as much as we thought it was going to be. But let that defense do what it does and attack with your running attack first, you know, and then then the pass can come off of that. And, I mean, I don't know if it was Vaughn Miller leaving. I don't know if it was – correct me if I'm wrong, but the Cowboys had a bye week. Yes, they came I, off. I just – this game was one of those games that probably perplexed me the most out of all the games in this, this Sunday slate of games. It, it just I, – I have no explanation as to how this even happened. You know, the running attack was amazing. The passing attack for the Broncos was, you know – exactly what you'd want it to be, you know, not amazing, but good enough to get you to where you need to. And as you mentioned, the final score of the game does not tell you how the game went at all. This was a complete domination. And um, the final score doesn't know justice. I think that all props here, you know, go to the Broncos and their preparation. You know, even they were, they were facing a team that was coming off of a bye week had playing, had been playing really good defense. Um, and the offense, obviously we know what the offense can do. They were getting their quarterback back. It, it just, I, I don't know, this game caught me really off guard, but I do want to take my hat off to the Broncos. And, uh, you know, I'm sure Bronco fans were really happy after that performance. Yeah, uh, we got to flip things to the Cowboys here because I, I, I think those are the main talking points. You know, good game by the Broncos. I, I don't know if we think the Broncos are really contenders here. Um, so, you know, it, it's just a weird outlet. Their wins had been versus the bottom dregs of, you know, the NFL. Uh, basically, I, I think they had beaten teams who had three total wins all year, and then they beat a Cowboy team who had six. Uh, so, um, on the road, mind you. But uh, let's let's start with Dak here. He looked really bad. You mentioned he missed the week before because of a calf injury. They, they really sort of downplayed it after, you know, that bye week and then missing the game and playing Cooper Rush and beating the Vikings. Do you think he's more hurt than he really is? Cause he did not look good in this game or this is just, you know, a bad game and you cross it off. They couldn't get the running game going. Now, granted they got way, way far behind, but you know, 10 carries to Elliott, four carries to Pollard. Uh, that's not sort of how they've been doing it all year long. Now, you know, they did get really behind, so they probably had to abandon it a little bit. Uh, but then you look at sort of targets and Malik Turner, leading target guy for the Cowboys at seven. You know, uh, you know, Cedric Wilson, five. Uh, you know, C.D. Lamb, only two catches for 23 yards. It, it's just, you know... 
not a good feel on offense. So I'm wondering, how hurt do you think Dak is? Or do you think it's just one of those bad games that you uh, mark off? Now, I'll first start off by saying this. I know you said that, you know, everyone's just the talking point is, you know, good job Broncos, good job Broncos defense. And, but I think it's true. I think we have to give props to the Broncos defense. They really got in Prescott's face. They they troubled him and, and bothered him enough to he was making bad throws and took the whole offense out of rhythm. With all that being said, I don't think Dak is really – I don't think it was anything more than what they told us it was simply because – you look at last week, they went up against this Minnesota team that we just talked about how dangerous they can be, both on offense and even sometimes on defense, and they beat them. So you would think that with an extra week off of preparation for the backup quarterback after his performance, they would have just said, you know what, Dak is really hurt. You know, he's obviously the future of our team going forward. Sit him out this week against this Bronco team that's Especially already since you basically, basically have the division locked up now. Exactly. And, and, you know, you're going up against the Broncos team that, at least on paper, they've basically ended their season early. Um, so I think if, if there was more to that Prescott injury, he would have sat this week out. This was the perfect situation for, uh, for Rush to not only play a second game, but have an extra week of preparation for a team um, that basically, as I said earlier, had already called it quits. And that's not what we got. We got a Prescott, so I assumed he had to be healthy. And this Broncos team just came out and smacked him in the mouth. So I think that the props really here, even though you said it's a talking point, the props really should go to the Broncos. Um, the Cowboys, I'm sure they'll bounce back. They, we've seen it all season long. They've been really competitive, and that defense has played a lot better compared to what they did last season. So I'm just counting this one as a bad game and moving on. But as far as Prescott's concerned, I'm sorry. I think he's uh, healthy and good to go. All right. Uh, last one. You know, uh, the defense had looked better uh, this season for the Cowboys. Any worry that this is going to start to regress back? I, I think we both thought there would be a little bit uh, of Dallas regression, you know, defensively uh, from such a leap uh, that they were making and, you know, Diggs getting one or two picks every game. That that was not sustainable. Uh, but is there a worry that this defense is going to totally uh, sort of regress back to, you know, last year's uh, standard? Okay, so there's definitely going to be regression. Okay, and, and the only reason I say that is because there is absolutely no way that a team can go from being being basically top two in worst defense in the NFL the season prior to being one of the top turnover defenses in the league. Um, it just doesn't really happen. The last time we saw a from worst to uh, first type of Cinderella story was uh, my Rams, um, which we'll get to later, by the way. But it, it, there has to be regression. Um, but even then, the defense has at least put together the right type of scheme. They've gotten a lot of um, – there's, there's, there's a bond there that they've developed, um, and, and you can see it. There's improvement. So I'm not going to say that they're going to play the rest of the season the way they've played so far this season, but there's definitely going to be some regression based off what we've seen so far this season. Yeah, uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, if if this is just one of those weird, you know, NFL aberrations, we look back and uh, sort of just be like, uh, what the hell happened there? Uh, or it's, uh, you know, a, a little bit more to come with the Cowboys 
it, it is very interesting that they sort of had their division locked up, uh, you know, so early uh, that maybe they start to lose focus. You know, y- you think about this game, uh, out-of-conference game, out-of-division game, that's, you know, semi-meaningless uh, to them, and maybe that uh, sort of comes into play uh, since really uh, – they have basically nothing to play for <laughs> until basically the playoffs because there's no one in that division that has any chance of sort of catching them. So maybe uh, just sort of avoiding, uh, you know, complacency is going to be their hardest thing uh, for the rest of the season. All right. Uh, you thought that one was weird. Um, Jacksonville 9, Buffalo 6. Uh, you know, Buffalo struggled a little bit on offense last week coming out of the bye versus Miami. Uh, they struggled a lot on offense this week. I will say the defense continues uh, to look really, really good. It's not like the Jags uh, came out and dominated or anything. They had 218 yards of total offense, 3.8 yards per play. Uh, it, it wasn't exactly a grand showing of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, I, I think I deserve at least partially my money back uh, for last week's uh, Jacksonville Jaguars Seattle Seahawks uh, bet, though, uh, for them beating the Buffalo. Buffalo Bills. Uh, I don't know if the casino will do that for me, uh, but I do feel it necessary that they should at least give me half because uh, I knew a Jags win was coming soon enough. Uh, I, I don't know if we have anything really uh, to say about the Jags here because uh, they were so porous on uh, uh, offense and really I, I don't think the defense really was all that great on the Jacksonville. This just seems self-inflicted wounds uh, by Buffalo. Um, I've noticed that the last couple weeks, they've sort of regressed back uh, from the running game. I don't know how much of that is Singletary and Moss being bad on the ground and how much of that is they're just trying to overthrow and hit explosive plays. Uh, but 47 passes, nine carries by running backs, five carries by the quarterback here. Uh, and, and once again, you know, Josh Allen, five carries, 50 yards. Singletary, six carries, 16 yards. Uh, Zach Moss, three carries, six yards. I want to get your take, and, and then I want to ask another question about the Buffalo Bills running backs here. Well, I mean, listen, I understand that Jacksonville is not the best teams, and you look at their statistic performance, and it wasn't eye-opening whatsoever. But they came out, and they beat the Bills. They, they exactly – they did what a lot of people – except for Jacksonville fans, thought possible. They beat the Bills. Um, And and it's hard for me to really, you know, put too much onto this because, listen, the Bills, they've had a little bit of a struggle over the last several weeks, okay? Uh, Ever since that Titans game, it seems like they hit a bit of a bump here. But I don't think anyone expected the Jacksonville Jaguars to come out and, and win. Now, I will say that if the Jacksonville Jaguars were going to win this game, this is probably the type of game it would have to be. It's a field goal uh, type game, you know, with very low score, which is not something that I think anyone would have expected out of the Bills. You know, I don't really know what to say. I think that you really just have to chalk this off as upset weekend and just move on from this if you're a Bills fan, because I have no way of explaining how that happened. Yeah. Uh, You know, The thing I question about the Bills and the running backs here is 
you know, I, I don't understand. We talked about it last year uh, that they seemed to not have good balance and Singletary and Moss uh, were not getting it done. And then once again this year, they don't appear to be getting it done. I, I don't understand why they don't adopt more of a, you know, Patriots or Chiefs uh, system where you just go, okay, you suck at running back. We're going to bring in somebody else. We're going to bring in somebody else uh, till basically you find someone to hit. You know, we've talked about the Ravens who have been the number one rush team in the league for, you know, 10 years. And like the last six years, they've had a different running back lead them in uh, carries and rushing yards. I don't understand why they just don't try to find somebody else. You've seen Devin Singletary. You've seen Zach Moss. I think it's clear they aren't getting it done. So why are we being stubborn and keeping those guys in there and not just bringing in, you know, a different running back, someone else, and see if you can hit pay dirt here because I don't think this balance is going to get it done. It's certainly not going to get it done in the playoffs. If they get home games in Buffalo, they aren't going to be able to throw the ball 50 times in January uh, unless Global Wormer is in full effect and it's 50 degrees there. But I don't think it's going to be 50 degrees in Buffalo in January. So I just don't understand the stubbornness of sticking with Singletary and Moss when running back has shown that it's basically the easiest position to replace in the NFL. Just... Keep churning them until you find something that hits. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, at least in my opinion, the easiest position to fill in football. The issue becomes replacing it with something better than what you're trying to get rid of. Um, and I think that's where the conundrum really sits. They probably, I don't know, I would have to assume that the coaching staff um, and the GM and everybody see something in practice that the rest of us just aren't seeing. And that's probably why they're still sticking with these guys. They think that they can turn it around. Now we've said over the past couple seasons that if they got more production out of that running attack, this team would be unstoppable just with Josh Allen and, and those wide receivers. And even that defense, that's very suffocating um, with a good running attack. It, it, there's no telling where this team could go, but uh, again, the trick becomes finding the right type of running back to fit your system that's going to be a productive and B within budget. You know, we have to remember that these guys aren't coming cheap. A lot of these guys are going to end up having to get paid. Maybe they were just kind of waiting it out to the point where they could draft someone um, who's going to be a lot cheaper than keeping one of these veteran guys who just aren't getting it done. And maybe that's, what's going to have to happen because obviously the trade deadline trade deadlines passed. That thing's gone. Um, you can't cut those guys now. Cause what are you left with after that? You know, I think you just have to write it out this year, hope that they can become productive. Uh, but even if they do, I think at the end of the season, it's probably time to look elsewhere. Yeah, definitely. So uh, last thing on this, uh, are you concerned with Buffalo or you think they sort of find themselves and uh, they'll be up at the uh, top of the AFC heap here? Uh, I mean, again, like I said earlier, I'm not concerned at all with Buffalo. I know that they haven't looked good, and I know they seem to have struggled. That running game seems to have slowed down a lot. But you can expect at some point for, you know, the the balance on offense to at least return to a more normalcy. Um, and even this this team, this offense as a whole, the amount of points that they've put, been putting up as of late, you know, you look back at for several weeks in a row where they were just completely destroying teams. 
I think they're going to be okay. I think they're going to figure it all out and they'll get back to winning in no time. Yeah. All right. Uh, This next game, uh, I I apologize if anyone stared at this one, but uh, the Houston Texans, uh, Miami Dolphins, uh, Dolphins win uh, 17-9. This is possibly the worst uh, game of football uh, ever played in the history of mankind. Um, You say that every week when there's a Houston game. Well, uh, this one bordered uh, very, very closely. Uh, (laughs) Tua somehow broke his finger uh, before the game and got scratched, or he broke it a week ago. I don't know. But uh, somehow the finger got broken. You know, we can get into him basically never being on the field. Uh, so I don't know at what point you sort of just mark that off. It does seem early, but, you know, health is probably the most important thing. If, if you can't play, what use are you? Uh, this game, just really bad. 272 yards for the Texans, 262 for the Dolphins. Four yards per play for Texans, 3.6 for the Dolphins. Uh, five turnovers for the Dolphins, four turnovers for the Texans. Uh, Tyrod came back, uh, was really bad. Uh, Brissett uh, played and was really bad. Uh, do you have anything to add uh, to this game other than the Dolphins got their second win of the season? I mean, you know, I don't, there's really nothing much to say. This game was a bad game and the better team won in this particular matchup, even with the backup quarterback. I think the biggest issue here becomes the whole tool conversation is health. You know, as you mentioned, health is really important in the league. Um, sometimes it's the most important thing. I can't remember who actually said the quote, but you know, the most important uh, ability is availability. And that rings true, especially when you're talking about the quarterback position, you know, probably one of the most important positions in all of sports um, and if you can't show up for your team, it, it's hard for them to really view you as a leader. Um, and in turn, it doesn't help you build uh, a, a strong bond that helps you overcome obstacles. So I don't know where the Dolphins go from here. As you mentioned, I know it's really early. I don't know if you move on from Tua at this particular point, especially since what's out there is, isn't really – tempting enough for me to be like, listen, I'm going to part ways with this high, you know, draft pick. So I, I don't know where they go going forward, but listen, they got the win. They lifted another day and hopefully they can get things together. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll move on off this one and go, uh, the cockroach of the, uh, NFL season, the Atlanta Falcons who, uh, will not <laughs> die. Uh, <laughs> Beat the Saints uh, 27-25. Uh, you know, Simeon played quarterback. Uh, they did use Taysom Hill a, a little bit here. I, I wonder if we're going to get a little bit more Taysom Hill, uh, you know, later in as, uh, you know, he was coming back off that really, really bad concussion uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I didn't think Simeon played all that bad, uh, but he did have the, you know, key fumble down there after they uh, – drove down and we're on in and around the goal line, uh, you know, that probably flipped this game. Uh, you know, tough one for the Saints after that big win versus Tampa Bay. Uh, but I, I think that's sort of what the Saints have been. Uh, sometimes they're really, really good. Uh, and then sometimes they aren't so good. They're sort of a okay team. I, I don't think they're below par. They're probably just a solid playoff team. Uh, Atlanta, I I don't know what the hell they are. Uh, Calvin Ridley retires 
And then Matt Ryan throws for, you know, 343 yards. Uh, Cornell <laughs> Patterson has become the greatest offensive weapon in the NFL after spending eight years in the league and no one knowing what the hell to do with him. Uh, so uh, talk me through this one here. Again, this is this is another matchup that I, I have no clue what's going on here. And it's not so much this particular game. It's just the teams in general. The, the Saints, you know, we rave about that defense uh, because when they're on, they're on. But it, it's hard for me to call them a, a Jekyll and Hyde defense because I don't think that's the case. I just think that, as you mentioned, they're an okay team. They're not a great team. They're not a bad team. They're an okay team. Um, unlike the, the Vikings, who tend to be more feast or famine type, I think the Saints are a little more consistent. They're just not that good, but they're also not bad. Um, and you're talking about the you know, last week team where they won against Tampa Bay, huge win for them, but now they're going up against another divisional opponent in the Falcons. Um, and the Falcons, it I, I don't understand. It seems like when something's supposed to go bad for them, they play good ball. And when things are supposed they to look to good for them. the week before. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't understand. You know, the listen, the Falcons have been doing this to us since last season. Um, it's hard to figure this team out. And uh, this is one of the reasons why I tend to try my best to skip Atlanta games because I just don't know what the heck they're going to bring to the table. I, I Are we going to just have to accept uh, never to bet on the Falcons and then uh, be prepared to have you come over and watch them on the uh, noon playoff game on a Saturday and uh, just be disturbed here because uh, they are now 4-4. Four and four. Uh I, I'm almost convinced this is the team that's going to end up in the playoffs. So uh, I, I don't know. You know, Matt Ryan is great one week and then can't hold the ball versus Carolina the week after. Uh, Cordell Patterson, I, I don't even know how to explain <laughs> it. Uh, you know, Arthur Smith is either a genius or I, I don't I, I don't know. I have no idea with this team. Uh, I, I thought they'd be worse after Calvin Ridley retired and somehow they threw out their best offensive game of the season. Uh, so, you know, I, I think we're just going to go into our preview and just pass on the Falcons uh, every week and uh, just skip because uh, we have no idea what's coming from them. They might beat Tampa Bay. Uh, then they might be shut out by the Jets for all I know. So uh, it, it's weird. I think we probably both got a pretty good hold on the uh, Saints here. Uh they seem to play to the level of competition. They dominated Green Bay. They dominated Tampa. They dominated New England. And then they have losses to Carolina and Atlanta and such. So I, I think it's just going to be one of those years. I didn't think Simeon played all that bad. I didn't notice too much of a difference from Trevor Simeon to Jameis Winston. Uh, I'm curious if you noticed much of a difference there. Uh, not really. I mean... Uh, they're definitely a little more ball security as far as uh, decision-making goes, but you know, there's still some things to be concerned about there on offense. And there's some things that, you know, you gotta be content with, but I think overall, you know, he played a pretty decent game. The numbers at least speak for themselves. He was able to do enough to keep him in that game and they could have won that game. It's just the Falcons, man. Yeah. You just don't know. All right. Uh, we'll move on to the Raiders giants. Uh, I didn't bet on a ton of games. I did bet on this one. Cause you know, it just, you probably shouldn't uh, 
enjoy uh, profiting off a, a tragic event. But uh, I just felt like the Raiders, uh, you know, that the last thing uh, was one thing too many. And then you had the cornerback video that came out the other day. Uh, and then, of course, they waiver claim OBJ. Uh, so I, I'm a little bit out on the Raiders. I, I just think too much stuff is starting to pile up on this team. And I thought they'd go to New York and struggle, uh, which they did a little bit. Um, it wasn't exactly like the Giants were on fire uh, on offense, uh, 15 to 20, 110 yards and a touchdown for Daniel Jones. Uh, but uh, I just think it's going to be tough for the Raiders to get through this season. Uh, they did build a nice little margin. They are 5-3, and three, so if they can sort of maintain a 500 record to close uh, out the year, maybe they can sneak in the playoffs. But I, I just think if there's a candidate to go in the tank, it's probably this Raiders team. I I'm curious your take on this game. You know, we were talking about a couple of weeks ago where we weren't sure what type of Raider team we're going to get for the rest of the season, you know, based off all the drama that they've been going through over the last couple of weeks. Um, now, I will say that I did have the Raiders picked uh, in one of my parlays, but this was prior to the whole, you know, situation that happened. Um, as you mentioned, maybe this was just one issue too many for them, and uh, it finally kind of, you know, the, the wheel finally gave in and the car stopped. Um, and that's, it looks like it's what happened now. I don't know if going forward, they're going to, you know, write the ship and, and fix things, but it's hard for me to believe that a team can gain momentum after losing momentum so many different times with so many different situations. You're talking about player drama, coach drama, and who knows what else is going on inside that locker room. So I think it's been a tough year for Raiders and, and you know, you, you have a good shot at possibly even sneaking into the playoffs. But even if they do, I don't think this current Raider team as is built right now with all the issues they're going through can make any noise. So uh, this was probably the last time that I'm, I'm hopping on that bandwagon. Yeah. Uh, flip things to the Giants. Uh, they did win, but I, I wasn't overly impressed. I, I don't foresee this as a jumping off point where they – go on a massive win streak. I, I think the next time they play a, a solid team, they, you know, get beat up again. I, I'm curious if you think jumping off point and they start rolling here or it's just they picked on a, a, a team that was down. Now, this is the thing. I, I don't think there was a bigger, you know, uh, advocate for the for the Giants uh, preseason than me. Uh, I was rooting for these guys. I really liked the way they – kind of built that team. I know they didn't have a lot of big weapons on there, but I thought that the type of team they were building was a, a really grindy, you know, dirty type of team. And they dealt with a lot of injuries and, and they weren't living up to the standards. I, I don't think that this is the tipping point where they start playing playoff caliber football. But, you know, if you're a Giants fan, as bad as things have been, I think you take any win you can get. And you kind of uh, enjoy it while you can because it seems like there's going to be few in between going forward, uh, especially if they play like this against some of those tougher teams. Yeah, uh, definitely. So, all right, uh, go to the Chargers-Eagles. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I think we have to focus this on the Chargers. This is third week in a row. I, I have not think. They have looked all that great. They did get the win. That puts them at five and three, you know, hovering around in and But once again, you know, Herbert threw for three, uh, 56. So he looked a little bit better, but you know, 
all those points and all those yards that were coming uh, don't seem to be as clean. Uh, you know, now I, I do think, you know, Mike Williams uh, has been banged up the last handful of weeks. I, I do think that has come into play, whereas you don't have that person to offset, you know, Keenan Allen uh, quite as much. But uh, I, you know, their defense still looks bad. Uh, you know, the Eagles couldn't fully take uh, total uh, advantage of it, but, you know, uh, Howard had 17 for 71, Hertz 10 for 60, Boston Scott 10 for 40. Uh, you know, I, I think that's the main thing here. Unless this Chargers, you know, defense improves by, uh, you know, leaps and bounds, uh, they're just going to struggle uh, beating really, really good teams uh, overall because – they just can't stop anybody on the run. And you saw it the week before in the Patriots game. Uh, basically, the Patriots just ran the ball down the throat. Chargers never got the ball. Chargers didn't score. Same thing happened the week before in the Baltimore game. And they can't even get this offense started. Now, you know, you play a weak team like the Eagles. Uh, it's a close game, but they can sort of control that game. But uh, I don't know if the Chargers, as hyped as we were early, uh, are really an elite team. You know, I'm starting to look into more and more like the Saints, where they're a good team, they're an okay team, but they aren't a team that's going to be able to beat elite teams because they just don't have the defense, and they seem to make key mistakes on offense. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's a real shame because you look at a lot of the guys that they have on this offense, and they have some very explosive weapons. As you mentioned, you know, when Mike Williams was healthy, this office was clicking on all cylinders. Now, even with that, all that being said, I, I didn't get to watch a lot of this game. I saw a few of the highlights, and then I went back and I looked at the stats, and it really perplexed me that I had a large Herbert, bet on it, and I was nervous pretty much the whole game. <laughs> I mean, Herbert only missed six pass attempts. Yeah. He threw for over 350 yards. He had no turnovers. No, He had no interceptions. Yeah. He threw two touchdowns. You know, you flip the script to the Philadelphia side of the ball. Hurts didn't really look that great. The running attack wasn't super threatening. And somehow this was such a close matchup. Yeah, I don't understand what was going on. drive to kick a field goal. It just, it, it, it boggles my mind that the defense can be that poor is that when your offense is playing basically perfect football, you know, it comes down to a field goal. It, it, it's crazy. I, you know, as you mentioned, I think the Chargers are now officially at the level that they're not a great team, and they're also not a bad team. They're they're a good team that can beat you, but they're also beatable because they have such poor defense. Yeah, uh, you mentioned it. Uh, it. It'll be interesting to see if they can sort of find that momentum earlier in the season, but I, I just don't think they have the defense to quite do that uh, this year. It'll also be interesting in division versus those Broncos and Raiders and Chiefs to see where they may. Uh, I think we were all hyped about that division, and then all of a sudden, uh, I, I think every team in that division is bad right now. Uh, so that's an interesting sort of flip. Uh, speaking of teams, we thought we're going to dominate that division. And, uh, well, uh, they got the win. Uh, it's probably the first uh, defensive uh, win they've gotten in quite a while, but uh, it helps to have Jordan Love as the opposing team's quarterback instead of Aaron Rodgers. Um, all those people who were hyped all week about Jordan Love taking over uh, the job and them not needing Aaron Rodgers uh, might want to check that. Uh, 
as much of a half dick that Aaron Rodgers has been in the last week. Um, he's still a very good quarterback, uh, so you sort of need him. Uh, Jordan Love uh, did not look ready to play and pretty much looked like he looked in college. Inconsistent, inaccurate, uh, but very athletic and explosive arm. But um, I-, I think the focus is the Chiefs. Uh, they appear to be getting worse uh, every week instead of better. Uh, Mahomes, 20 of 37, 166. Granted, he did not throw a pick this week. Uh, it, it, it's just not good by the Chiefs. Now, that being said, uh, they seem to have gotten a couple breaks here and are now 5-4. and four. So uh, what do you make of this game here? Yeah, I mean, I really don't have much to, to give as far as analysis goes on this game. I will say that I expected the Chiefs to perform a lot better than they did. You know, you're talking about a Packers defense that's not technically a complete lockdown defense. You know, they're they're pretty good and they have their moments, but this team revolves around the offense and Aaron Rodgers. And I thought without Aaron Rodgers at the helm, um, this was a perfect opportunity for the Chiefs to get everything back in motion, right the ship, you know, start going full steam. And they just do not look like the Chiefs. They do not look like them whatsoever. We know that defense is horrible already, but they could always fall back on that offense that could score basically, you know, uh, at will. And and they just, they can't get any offense going. They have no running attack. You know, the wide receivers aren't getting the separation that they're used to getting because they, they, the, the defense doesn't feel threatened by a rushing attack. And Mahomes just, he doesn't look like Patrick Mahomes. I don't know what's going on, but I will say this. This is probably the best thing I could give anybody that's watching or listening to this. Um, Aaron Rodgers, people who thought that the Packers could, you know, roll with, with, uh, with their backup quarterback going forward. Aaron Rodgers said a quote a few weeks ago that could possibly, you know, uh, be set again directly at those people. I own you. <laughs> and that's what he does. They can't do anything without Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that's right. Uh, uh, you know, uh, Packers wise, uh, just cross this out. No Aaron Rodgers, uh, not really a game, uh, to it, analyze at all. Uh, so you have anything on the Packers other than cross this off, wait till Rodgers gets back. No, I mean, other than if he doesn't get back soon, I think they got to start being a little concerned with uh, seeding possibilities because if I'm a Packers fan or, you know, a Packers player, I want the playoffs in the NFC to go through me. Yeah. Uh, Cause Lambo gets cold and nobody knows Lambo the way Green Bay knows Lambo. So uh, I think you're starting to get a little concerned now. Yeah. I, I think the thing is, you know, I, I was talking about it two weeks ago, the chiefs not making the playoffs. If Aaron Rodgers plays in this game, uh, I, I think the Packers win easy from what we've seen from the Chiefs offense. So, you know, that puts them at 8-1, uh, and one, and they're just rolling uh, to that, you know, one seed, especially with that division with Detroit, Chicago, and Minnesota. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry to cut you off, no, but I do good. it. just, you know, it's like you said, the Chiefs defense super, super, super porous, and the backup quarterback couldn't muster any points against them. So if you don't have Aaron Rodgers under center, you're looking at a few more losses, at least in my opinion. Yeah. All right. Uh, we'll go to uh, Coach Genius, who uh, 
managed to play a team that uh, did not have uh, Kyler Murray, did not have DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, A.J. Green did not have a catch in the game. George Kittle was back, and uh, guess what? They were thoroughly trounced. Um, do we have any excuses more for why Kyle Shanahan is uh, a, a great coach other than he's not a great coach? Uh, good win by the Cardinals. Uh, wonderful that Colt McCoy is still in the league. Uh, uh, you know, he. I don't know what to say of this game other than uh, – uh, the Niners suck. <laughs> they they somehow might be worse than the Seahawks, who haven't had their quarterback for, you know, seven, eight weeks. So uh, what do you make of the Niners here? I, I don't think you can gauge anything off the Cardinals other than they, they got a win that they probably shouldn't have uh, with the injuries that they did. They're now 8-1. and one. They're the ones pushing for that one seed out in the NFC. So, uh you can touch on the Cardinals a little bit, but much like the uh, Green Bay without Hopkins and Murray, uh, this is a cross-off game, except it's a cross-off game that they somehow managed to win. I, I think the talking point here is the Niners. Yeah, that's exactly right. I think, first off, you give kudos to the Arizona Cardinals and that organization. They did a great job at putting together a game plan to win a game when your two most potent offensive weapons were out of the game. Um as you mentioned, Cole McCoy came out and he looked like the second coming of Peyton Manning. Uh, he had a really efficient day. As you mentioned, AJ Green did not catch anything and somehow they still won the game. I, I think this says more about the 49ers, as you said, than it does about the Cardinals. The Cardinals are a good team. That I think that's been stated. Do I think that they're slightly overrated? Yeah, I do. Uh, I don't think that they're quite ready for the, for the limelight, but that's not what we're going to talk about here. We're going to talk about the 49ers and it's the recipe for success. The recipe for a win was basically written for them. It was set up. You had Kittle back, you know, you had uh, Garoppolo basically starting to get healthy, starting to get, you know, a little rapport going with his wide receivers and you're going up against the hobbled up division rival division leader and you can't pull off the win. I don't know, man. I think that the Niners are a bad team. But I do have to say, Russell Wilson has not been out seven or eight weeks, but he has been cleared to return. So something else for the Niners to be concerned about. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's bordering on it, – it's almost time to file. Fire Shanahan. Now, I think he signed a $400 billion deal where he has full control of the organization. Uh, so I don't even know if you can fire yourself. He's a genius. Yes, I know. He, he's a genius who can't beat a Cardinals team with Colt McCoy uh, and James Conner uh, leading the line here. Um, so I don't know what you do with this 49ers team. It, it's one good season mixed in with four bad ones. And you can, you know, use the injury excuse, but they were pretty much healthy here. Uh, for some reason, they decided to go against uh, what they do so well in running the ball. They threw 40 times. Elijah Mitchell had eight carries. Jamichael Hasty had one carry, and no other running back touched the ball. Uh, so I just don't know what this 49ers team is. And, and it's to the point where now it's just time to throw Trey Lance in there and see if you can get him reps because – 
I don't think this season's salvageable for them. You could talk me into the Seahawks being salvageable with Russell Wilson coming back, but if you can't beat this Cardinals team without Murray, without Hopkins, basically without Green, and it's James Conner and Colt McCoy uh, basically dominating you. This wasn't even a close game. Uh, It's time to sort of pack things in and retool here. Yeah, definitely a lot worse, the 49ers, uh, than I anticipated they would be. All right. Uh, speaking of pack things in and retool, uh, the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, <laughs> uh, you just had to. I jerk. just had to. Uh, I, I don't think it's quite uh, time to pack things in and retool for the Rams. But uh, in, in two years, uh, <laughs> they might be retooling uh, for the next 20 because I don't know if they have a draft pick uh, for the next 20 years after this. Uh, but uh, tough game versus the Titans. Uh, you knew the Titans were going to at least come out aggressive that first game after Derrick Henry. We'll see if they can k- keep that up. Uh, that being said, uh, their offense wasn't all that spectacular. Uh, Matthew Stafford pretty much gifted them about 21 points there uh, to start the game, and I-, I thought the Rams' offensive game plan to start the first half uh, was atrocious. It-, it didn't get much better in the second half, uh, but uh, I'm curious your thoughts uh, on this game overall. Yeah, I mean, you know, I said it and I said it throughout the week. I, I thought that this was going to be a tough matchup for the Rams, even without Henry. Now, let alone if Henry was playing, I, I probably would have came out and said, even as a Ram fan, that they were going to lose that game just because of the type of style of offense that the Titans like to run. Um, and I thought they would stick to a similar type of uh, structure, but probably alter it a little bit now that they, they didn't have their star running back. But as you mentioned, the Titans offense really wasn't great. They played good football, but it wasn't great. Um, A lot of this was basically the Rams shooting themselves early in the foot early on, and then they had to get away from running the ball because they were down, basically. So you have to make some sort of comeback. Um, The decision to kick field goals as opposed to go for touchdowns, even on fourth down in, in certain situations, kind of made me scratch my head a little bit. You know, you would think Sean McVay, a guy who's, you know, always... Uh, tagged as an offensive guru, uh, he would you know try to use uh, at least analytics a little bit, uh, but that didn't seem to be the situation here. Overall, I just think this was a bad game for the Rams during upset week, and you got to give kudos to the Titans. They've been playing a lot better over the last couple of weeks. Um, I don't think it can keep up, especially with Henry being out, but hey, they got AD now, so all day maybe he can carry him. Yeah, uh, except he he barely got as many snaps as Deontay Foreman. Uh, So everybody might want to scale that one uh, back a little bit. But, uh, you know, I'm not going to hammer McVay as, you know, boy genius too here. Uh, He at least has a winning record where Kyle Shanahan uh, has a losing record. But uh, I I did just, you know, he kept dropping back. The line couldn't hold up. And then, you know, he he finally decided stubbornly to make that change in the second half. You know, he didn't seem to want to make that change in the first half. And and really, that's probably what cost him the game because that's where all the Titans points, you know, came from. Uh, You know, that and the, you know, I'm not blaming the refs for games, uh, but there was the shady Aaron Donald, uh, you know, uh, you know, roughing the pass. Yeah, it on the third down. That that was... You know, granted, the Rams weren't exactly uh, blowing anyone away. Uh, They kept deciding to kick field goals instead of go for touchdowns on fourth and shorts. But, you know, we'll get into that decision-making too. But, uh, you know, 
the Titans now at seven and two. You know, with Buffalo uh, losing, the Ravens sort of hot and cold, and they're in that you know weak division. Uh, can they maintain and keep this record? It's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, I don't know if Derrick Henry's coming back. If Henry's, you know, not back or or if he's back and not healthy, they are, you know, winning playoff games. So, you know, that's that's that. But I do think if they can get that by uh, and maintain that one seed, it, it would be very important where maybe you get a uh, – an okay Henry as opposed to having to play that first round matchup and run it rushing Henry back where he's just, you know, able to stand. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I'm an NBA guy and, and that Jones fracture is just, it's murder uh, because it's basically where you plant and lean and cut off of and with that much body weight and force, especially with Derrick Henry, it's not like he's one of these little small guys. He's built more like an NBA player. And the second you start to do that, it, it sort of re-injures the foot, re-injures the foot, and it gets weaker and weaker. There are tons of guys in the NBA where they get this injury, and they're just never the same because each time they come back, it, it just causes re-injury. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they play that with uh, Derrick Henry and if they can maintain this 7-2 and record and try to steal that, uh, you know, bye week, which I think would be really, really important for them. Yeah, uh, just a couple of things before we move on from this game. Um, to all of the uh, Tennessee Titan fans that just keep uh, hammering me every time they see me, um, I will say congratulations. It was a really good win for you guys. Um it's weak and also nine. to those, to those who are who are basically uh, crowning them as a as a Super Bowl champions already uh, after a couple of good wins. Um, I will say the Rams didn't win their division last season, yet they still got a lot further in the playoffs. So remember that. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, if we remember this time last year in week nine, uh, which now there's an extra game, so we're just basically at the halfway point, uh, the Steelers were 9-0. and uh, So, you know, uh, we probably want to hold off before crowning uh, Super Bowl champs. I believe the Tampa Bay Bucks were 5-4 uh, and four at uh, this point. So, um, you know... Let's scale back. We have about eight more weeks to go of the season. Uh, so uh, there's no champion uh, for being the best team in week nine. Uh, so let's see how this thing plays out with still pretty much half a season to go uh, before we All start. the way if there was, if there was an award for week nine, they would definitely get it. So, you know, kudos to them. All right. Uh, the aforementioned Steelers played on Monday night football and, uh, this was sort of a Steelers <laughs> victory. Um, got up, uh, Bears got back, drove down, kick a last-second field goal. Um, I, I think the Steelers sort of go in the uh, list of Saints, Chargers. Uh, they're okay, uh, but I don't think this team is good enough to really contend. Uh, what'd you make of this game? Bears now 3-6. and six. Uh, I, I think the Bears probably... Uh, out of the playoff picture, whereas we sort of still think Minnesota has a chance to get hot. I don't think this Bears team has a chance to get hot enough to really contend for a playoff spot here. Uh, but let's go Steelers first. Uh, Steelers first. I mean, they're a good enough team 
to win games. They found a pretty good balance um, compared to last season. Now they do have a couple of issues, which is, you know, they're, they're basically uh, their weapons out, out in the outside, their wide receivers have been kind of banged up in and out all season long, which has really hurt the progression of that team on offense. Defensively, they're not as stout as they were last season, but they're still really good defense. They could play with just about anybody on any given Sunday. So they've got all that going on for them, but I just don't think that this this Steelers team as it currently sits can contend long-term in the playoffs. Um, I think they can get in there, uh, especially if they keep playing the way they're playing, but it's hard for me to see them winning a lot of games, especially the way this one kind of panned out, especially late in that game. Um, you really got to learn how to close teams out, and that a lot of times begins with a good rushing attack, which they're supposed to have. They just don't seem to utilize when they need to. Yeah, definitely so. Uh, I do think the Steelers are probably going to be a playoff team here. Uh, but, you know, we mentioned it last, uh, just a, a second ago, they were 9-0. and They actually got to 13-0 and before they really started to tank. I don't know if they'll start to tank, but they, you know, Bengals solid team, Browns solid team, Baltimore, uh, one of the best teams in the league. So, you know, at five and three, I still don't totally trust this team uh, playing against good teams. So it, it might be, uh, you know, hot and cold all season long. We'll see if they can slide it. I do think they'll get into that playoff, but I, I don't factor them as a, a team that would be dangerous in the playoff. I, I think they get in there. Uh, we watch them play. They get beat up, you know, pretty easy by one of those top teams in those first weeks. Uh, Bears-wise, anything on them other than, uh, well, well, hopefully the coach and GM are gone and uh, we retool this uh, next year and we have fun on our draft show. Yeah, I think that's basically their main their main focus right now is that and the uh, development of their young quarterback, maybe yeah. they can figure out whether there's a rapport between him and the wide receiver, which is probably going to be due to get paid a lot of money soon. And um, if there is no rapport there, then maybe it's time to start using some of those assets uh, to build an even better team going forward. But as it sits right now, I think it's time to focus on developing. Well, I, I think if uh, Allen Robinson gets franchised again uh, by the team, he, he might go lift eye and uh, burn down the facility. Uh, I, I think he's looking as much as he can uh, to get out of uh, that situation. All right, so that's our recap of the week. Let's get into our best and worst of the week. Let's start off with best on the offensive side of things. Where, where are you going here? Uh, for best of the week on offense, I am actually going to go with Connor, running back out of Arizona. Uh, 96 rushing yards, two touchdowns, five catches, 77 yards, and a touchdown. The guy was a Swiss Army knife for that team that was lacking weapons, both quarterback and wide receiver. Going up against a divisional rival that was healthy and was getting their star players back, he seemed to get it done by himself. So player of the week, Connor. Yeah, I'm going two-way here. I'm going Colt McCoy and James Conner as our Offensive Players of the Week. Uh, really impressive what Colt McCoy did. Uh, really impressive what James Conner did to go in there and beat the 49ers. Uh, so uh, we're going co uh, with McCoy and Conner. Uh, nice win there. Keep the uh, Cardinals at 8-1 and one and uh, ahead of the Green Bay Packers, uh, you know, who 
now are behind them by a game, even though they had the tiebreaker over them. Uh, you see how much that hurt the Packers uh, with Aaron Rodgers being out there. Uh, we'll see how this closes, but, uh, you know, that might be a big game uh, that they probably had marked down as a loss and now becomes a win. So a uh, big game from uh, McCoy and Connor. Where are you going on the defensive side of things? Uh, for the defense side of the ball, I'm actually going to go with Josh Allen. Not <laughs> that Josh Allen. <laughs> Josh Allen that faced against that Josh UK Allen. Pride, uh, baby. <laughs> he, he had a he had a really good game. Kentucky Pride. <laughs> I think I think all day long, the whole week, he was probably listening to sports media talk about Josh Allen's gonna be great. Josh Allen's gonna do this. Josh Allen's gonna look amazing this Sunday. And he thought they were talking about him. So he went out and he put up a really good game. He ended up with eight tackles, one sack, one interception. And he also was involved in that fumble there uh, with Josh Allen. So uh, I think he was deserving. Probably doesn't get a lot of praise. Nobody on the team gets a lot of praise uh, on a weekly basis. So I thought he was deserving. So Josh Allen, Defensive Player of the Week. Well, uh, we're on the same wavelength here because I I went Josh Allen and that Jaguar defense uh, overall. Uh, I I thought they'd been getting a a little bit better. They do have some playmakers on there. Uh, We'll ignore that uh, uh, 42-0 shellacking uh, versus the Seattle Seahawks the week before. I still want half my money back uh, because of this (laughs) defensive performance here. Uh, But, yeah, Josh Allen, really good. Really like him off the uh, edge there. Uh, It's very uh, Von uh, Miller-like. in his younger days. So uh, nice play by the Jags. Defense, Josh Allen. All right, where are we going coach-wise here? For coach, I'm actually going to go with a guy who has gotten some love and some hate uh, throughout the season, and that's the Arizona coach, Cliff Kingsbury. Um, He won without his star quarterback, his star wide receiver, and his second best wide receiver really impacting the game. Um, he did it, as you mentioned, with your player of the week, Colt McCoy, and your co-player of the week, and Connor. They they both had an outstanding game against a divisional rival who, as I mentioned earlier, was healthy now and was supposed to win that game. So I think that he's got to get some credit here, put together a good game plan, you know, something that wasn't going to really rattle the, uh, the, the journeyman quarterback that we know Colt McCoy to be. Um, and he pulled off a win, so in a game that a lot of people probably thought they were going to lose. They actually gained the game in that division and they're one step closer to getting home field advantage. So Kingsbury coach of the week. Yeah. Uh, well, this is exciting and fun. I went Kingsbury as well. Uh, we've given him a lot of stick over the past couple of years, but I, I think he's gotten coach of the week a couple times this uh, year. And once again, uh, to win that game uh, versus the 49ers, really, really uh, impressive win uh, overall. Uh, that line moved from Arizona 2.5 to San Francisco 5.5, and, and they just dominated that game. Uh, you know, little shout-out to Vic Fangio and the Broncos, too, uh, for having them ready even after they looked like they were uh, sort of packing things in for the season. And a little shout-out to Mike Vrabel as well, who had a really good game plan, got everybody ready for that Rams game. All right, let's switch to the worst of the week. Where are you going on the worst side of the offense here? Listen, on offense, there's definitely a lot of candidates, especially when you look at the statistics for this past week of games. But I'm going to go with somebody who hurt me, hurt my heart, hurt my soul and my confidence. And I'm going with you, Matthew Stafford. You threw two costly interceptions. One, that was a pick six. That was basically a replay of the mistake the previous week that Tennessee cost in the end zone. And it just completely boggled me at the type of offense that they put 
especially with all the praise they've been getting about how efficient that offense has been. Um, even though Cooper Cup had a good game, we didn't see the type of Cooper Cup numbers that we've been seeing so far this season. Even though I do want to give him a shout out, he broke a thousand yards uh, through nine weeks of uh, of play so far. So shout out to him, but Matthew Stafford, worst of the week, and it's more personal than anything. Yeah, uh, we, we are. <laughs> this is going to look like uh, we didn't do our, our work here as we're repeating the same people. You know, you could go over a lot, uh, but, you know, you cross a lot of these games off. I, I could probably signal everybody in that Texans-Dolphins, you know, game out. Pretty much everybody in that Packers-Chiefs game. But, uh, you know, the important game of the week was Titans and Rams and Stafford, you know, laid an egg. And it's another egg. Prime uh, time. Yeah, you know, this is the second time, uh, you know, he's laid an egg in a big game. That Cardinals game, I did not think he played all that well. Once again, he did not play all that well. You know, we can hear the announcers talk about the uh, Sean McVay-Stafford connection, their trips to Cabo, and how on, you know, wave they are. Uh, But, you know, what do you think this team's record would be if if Jared Goff was the quarterback right now? I I don't think it would be much different than 7-2. and So, you know... What are you really getting from Matthew Stafford? It, once again, that play in the end zone, that's a Jared Goff play. Don't take the sack. Don't get the safety floated up in the middle of the field. You give the other team a touchdown. Momentum, you're playing from behind the whole game. It, it's just, if they want to go to the Super Bowl, which basically they have sold their soul uh, to try to get to the Super Bowl this year in L.A. and, and forsaken pretty much your future for the possibly next 20 years of your life (laughs) as you watch the team uh, not have any draft picks. uh, They have to play better, and Matthew Stafford has to play better uh, because now you're teetering. You know, you're a couple wins off from having to go uh, on the road in playoff games, possibly in cold weather uh, places, and you're just going to make things hard on yourself. So uh, bad game by Matthew Stafford. Where are you going on the defensive side of things? Now, for defense, there's so many different teams that I was thinking about taking. Um, you know, I thought about the Bills for a second, but I'm like, no, the Bills didn't play horrible defense. You know, I thought about the Rams going up against a Derek henry uh Titans team, and I was like, uh, defense didn't play that bad either. No. So I finally came upon one, and I'm going with the Cowboys, okay? We've praised them, and now it's time to hold them accountable, all right? So they gave up almost 200 yards on the ground and almost 250 yards through the air. And this is a team that defensively has been causing a ruckus. They've been making noise just about everywhere, causing turnovers here, causing turnovers there. So I think that as much as we praised them so far this season, we got to hold them accountable. They put up a bad performance. So worst of the week, Cowboys defense. Yeah. Uh, I I have Sam Darnold uh, singled out defensively as the uh, worst player uh, for the Carolina Panthers because uh, the only reason any other team scores is because Sam Darnold hands the ball to him in uh, bad positions. Uh, but really, uh, I, I'm going Niners here. Uh, this defense is supposed to be able to carry them and uh, to get a lit up uh, by Colt McCoy and James Conner, uh, basically uh, uh, hand me down backup quarterback who's been all over the place and James Conner who's you know he's technically not even the starting running back on the team he's the backup running back to Chase Edmonds uh so you know this Niners defense which has been much ballyhooed uh once again 
really, really poor. All right, uh, worst of the week on the uh, coaching side of things. Uh, for worst of the week on uh, coaching, uh, I'm actually going to go with 49ers head coach Kyle Shanahan. Um, and simply put, as you mentioned, as we talked about a few times so far this show, you were going up against a team without Murray, without Hopkins, uh, you know, in a game where green wasn't going to be an issue. And not just that, the starters running back got banged up. And that team lost their best, you know, threat on defense uh, early on this season. So you're talking about a team that lost so many weapons for this particular matchup. You're getting all your guys back. Divisional rival, you want to, you know, make a run. You want to try to claw yourself back into this, this playoff race, you know, conversation. And this is the type of performance you put out. You don't get your team completely prepared for this. I felt like as much as we praise this team as having a lot of potential, we have to also call them out when they uh, choke the way they did. And the 49ers did, and it starts at the top. So Shanahan, worst of the week. Yeah, uh, he's just my commemorative uh, pick every week until uh, the 49ers recognize that he's a bad football coach and fire him. Uh, You know, I'm going to spread the wealth here. Uh, Mike McCarthy, uh, uh, probably should be on the commemorative list as well. (laughs) But they've managed to win games, uh, so I probably can't put him there. But they laid a big egg uh, with Denver. Uh, I think Sean McVay's game plan probably deserves a little bit of a hit here uh, in the uh, worst coach. And then uh, just basically uh, all coaching in the uh, Texans-Dolphins game. Um, that was just uh, terrible to watch. So universally, uh, bad coaching in the NFL. Uh, probably Matt LaFleur uh, deserves a, a little bit of a, a whammy here too. Uh, you know, he gets labeled with his offensive genius. And once again, his offensive genius is Aaron Rodgers. So, uh, you know, a lot of... Uh, it's easy to look smart when you have a guy like that. Yes, I know. I I think there's a lot of bad coaching uh, going on overall in the league. But uh, that does it for our review. We'll be back on Friday with our pick show. We got college basketball starting up. Be on the lookout for our preview show with that with Dynamite David. We got our college football pick show coming up on Thursday and winning daily. College basketball's back. We'll be on track to get into that. Where can we find you, Achilles? Uh, well, as always, you can find me on Twitter at TD Achilles. All right, that's our show, and we're out.